All right. One of the TV shows that was uh, enjoyable to watch episodes, at least to me, was hosted by Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman. It was a show of scientific experiment and discovery. You might know it as Mythbusters. One of the uh, experiments that they did, I have a few of them for you. I'm going to give you a little quiz this morning. Uh, is for you to figure out, is this truth or is this myth? All right, here was one of their tests. You can make a usable candle from earwax. They actually gathered enough earwax for this experiment, and believe it or not, the myth was busted. The candle burn, burned very, very poorly and quickly went out. How about this one? Truth or myth, you can mail a whole coconut, USPS, without any packaging. Just a label and a postage on the outside of the coconut will do. <clears throat> they confirmed it. That one's true. They mailed one to their office and just had a label and postage on the outside of that coconut, and it showed up unharmed. Uh, so save yourself some packaging costs. How about this one? Oral pain from eating hot peppers is best cured by drinking either beer or water. Myth or truth? That myth was actually busted. Believe it or not, their best remedy was drinking milk. There's something about the fats in milk that extinguishes the fire on the tongue. How about this one? Truth or myth, boarding an airplane from the back to the front is the slowest method. For this experiment, they actually set up a 173-seat plane, brought in professional flight attendants, had people board it with real luggage, even had people take their time in the center aisle, putting it in overhead just like a normal plane would board. And they started from the back by zone and loaded it forward, and that took 24-plus minutes. They had three or four other ways. The fastest way was once you board business class to let people choose their own seat. They boarded it in 14 minutes. It took 10 minutes off from boarding it from the rear by zone. So that one is confirmed. One more. Do not try this at home. That is not fine print. You can wet your hand and briefly dip it into molten lead at 850 degrees Fahrenheit without any bodily harm. This is actually confirmed. It's called the Leidenfrost effect, where cold water vaporizes in the hot surface and it creates a short window of insulation. They tested it first on a raw sausage. <laughs> and when they saw that it quickly came out unharmed, Adam started by dipping 
his four fingers in and pulled them out unharmed, and then Jamie was just willing to do his pinky and index finger, also came out unharmed. That is confirmed. True. Again, don't try that at home. As we are in this message series right now on Gifted for More, especially looking at our spiritual gifting from the Holy Spirit, we're talking about how once we discover how He has gifted us to serve the body of Christ, how can we develop intentionality with those gifts? As we talk about this, there is some myth-busting that we need to do with spiritual gifts. First myth, I don't have to concern myself with a series on spiritual gifts. Disciples of Jesus Christ are made by baptizing and teaching. And so even if a teaching is in Holy Scripture once, it deserves our full attention. Spiritual gifts are in the Scripture by Paul and Peter at least four times. Second myth, spiritual gifts are the same as talents, abilities, or skills. Our Creator gives every human being natural gifts, talents, abilities, skills, but Christians have spiritual gifts when the Holy Spirit comes into our heart and brings us to faith in Jesus Christ. The world does not have spiritual gifts. Myth number three, spiritual gifts are only given to certain select Christians. Well, here the definition of spiritual gifts can help. I would define spiritual gift as a particular gift the Holy Spirit gives me at my conversion with which to serve the whole body of Christ. So the minute that you were baptized into the name of Jesus, you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and you believed in Him, the Holy Spirit came into your heart and life at your conversion. He came with a gift with which you can serve the church. And so if that is truth, this other myth is busted too. I don't have a spiritual gift. You do. Every believer in Jesus Christ does. The last one then is my spiritual gift isn't that important. Just as our human body is at a disadvantage without an eye or without a foot, so is the church of Jesus Christ without you and your gift. We ended last week with some helps on how we can discover what our spiritual gift is. I invited you to spend some time in these chapters of Scripture to pray for an awareness to take an inventory. We still have yellow cards that has a code you can go on. It takes 5-10 minutes. It will rank them for you and is very helpful. Or hard copies if you don't have computer handy. Ask a Christian who knows you well, what do you think my gift in this might be? And then here are some other questions to reflect on to help draw out what your spiritual gifting could be. Once we discover our spiritual gift, the next 
step then is, well, how can I develop it? How can I steward what the Holy Spirit has given me with which to serve each other? We're going to continue Paul's words that we just heard moments ago from Romans 12. Please look with me at verse 3. Paul said, By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Each one, as God has apportioned a measure of faith. Three ways that we can lean into and develop our spiritual gifts. The first one we see here means that I carry myself with a humble esteem. Reminded of a story from the 1980s, early 1980s, of head football coach Chan Gailey, who at that time was at Troy State University in Alabama. His football team was playing for the national championship title in just one week. So as you can imagine, the week leading up to that, they were very focused and diligent about getting in some good practices. Coach Gailey was on his way out of his office and building, making his way almost to the practice field when his secretary came running out after him. Coach Gailey, Coach Gailey, you have a phone call. He was a little bit disturbed and frustrated that she interrupted him on his way out to practice. And so he just said, take a message. And she said, but coach, it's Sports Illustrated. I'll be right there. And so as Coach Gailey began to make his way from the practice field back to his office, the thoughts started to go through his mind. An article in Sports Illustrated would be really good publicity for Troy State. And as he got closer, he thought, three pages wouldn't be enough to really tell the story of our team this year. And when he was almost to his office, he thought, what if I even make the cover of Sports Illustrated? Should I do a pose or an action shot? And as he got to his office, he closed the door and abruptly picked up the phone. And the voice said, is this Coach Chan Gailey? And, and he said, yes, it is. And the other voice said, hi. This is Sports Illustrated, and we are calling to let you know that your subscription is expiring. Would you like to renew? Jan says when he hung up the phone, the thought came to his mind in this life, we are humble or we are humbled. That's what Paul says with our spiritual gifts. Developing them means that we recognize it is only by the grace of God that we even have a spiritual gift with which to serve Christ's body. And so we would not, if we discover our spiritual gift, take a selfie of it, post it on social media or internet, try to get likes and followers, look at my spiritual gift. Paul says, don't think of yourselves more highly than we ought. But every day with our spiritual gift, we have a sober judgment and just an attitude of thanksgiving for the gift that we have received. 
Paul continues now in verses 4 and 5 with an image for us. An image we're familiar with at this point in this series. He writes, But just as in one body we have many members, but all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. What's the image again that Paul holds before the Christian church? It's that of a human body. One entity with all these unique individual parts all working together to serve the whole. We just looked at this for the last two weeks in 1 Corinthians 12. Why are we seeing this image again of the human body in the book of Romans also? Guess where Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome from? He wrote to them while he was in Corinth. So he's like, you know, I really have this good pocket illustration for the church as a human body. So to the Christians in Rome, this is who we are. So as individual members of the body of Christ, it means I develop my spiritual gift I celebrate the diversity of all the spiritual gifts in the body of Christ, others' giftings, and mine. These gifts that we have, that are given to us, are meant to complement each other, not to be in competition with one another. That I need you and you need we. And by grace, we are in this incredible body together. And so Paul, in his next point then, starts to list what some of the spiritual gifts are that God has blessed his body with. Last week, we looked at the list of gifts Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 12. There will be a little overlap in the list today from Romans 12, but there will also be some new ones. Let's take a look because maybe you have a gift on this list. He continues, since we have different gifts by the grace that's been given to us, let us use them. If the spiritual gift is prophecy in proportion to one's faith, if serving in service, if teaching in teaching, if one who exhorts in exhortation, the one who shares or gives with generosity, the one who leads with diligence, and the one who shows mercy, use it with cheerfulness. He's saying whatever our spiritual gift is, if your spiritual gift is serving, man, use it. The church needs servants like Jesus. If your spiritual gift is exhortation or encouragement, be an encourager. There's enough bad and depressing in this world today that, that the body needs you to just encourage and lift one another up with your words. If your spiritual gift is giving, I have known some Christians who have that gift, Paul says, do it with generosity, not with ulterior motives or any kind of strings attached. If your spiritual gift is leading, the church of Jesus Christ needs leaders and lay leaders today. Lead with diligence. 
And if your spiritual gift is showing mercy, you just have a heart of compassion for those who are hurting, whether it's visiting the sick, the shut-ins, elderly, needy, special needs, disabilities like we saw, or maybe serving the poor or homeless. If your gift is mercy, Paul says, do it cheerfully, not begrudgingly or with a downcast spirit. So I develop my spiritual gift when by the grace that God has given me, I am eager to use it for the church. If you are a mom, if you are a grandma here, if you are a godmother, if you are an aunt, if you are a young child, if you are a teenager, if you are a man, what God is telling us today is that you are a gift with gifts to share. And he has called you by name and brought you into this body of Jesus Christ, taken residency in your heart and given you a gift with which to serve the whole. There's an image that will be familiar to us in the Midwest here. We often see it in the spring as well as in the fall. How many recognize that? Geese heading south or heading north? One of the neat things about geese is by their creator, there's a reason they fly in a V formation. By flying together as one in a V, not only does it increase the lift with their wings, but it also reduces the drag of the air. Scientists have estimated that by flying as one in a V, geese can fly 70% farther with the same energy as if they were trying to fly alone. They get there faster and with less energy expended. Geese also share responsibility. Which bird here has the hardest time? The front, right? They're breaking the wind, the drag for the rest. You can imagine how quicker the front bird tires out. So God wired them so that when the front tires out, they slide back to the V in the rear, and then the next goose steps up and takes that lead. Geese are known to honk. It's clearly some kind of communication. Some scientists think it could even be a way of encouraging one another as they are flying. I also read that they say if one of the geese gets injured and has to go down, two other geese will usually fall out of the formation and go down on the ground with it until it dies or it can fly again. What an image of the church of Jesus Christ. Individually, Gifted, brought in to work together as one. 
Imagine the possibilities of St. Peter and the church of Jesus Christ if with all of our gifts we had that same formation. God already has imagined the possibilities. Because that's why you, that's why I am already here. We're going to have some questions during our upper room time momentarily for you to further reflect on these words of the Lord from Romans and how we can continue to take this home and act upon these words of our Lord.